Hey, what's up, everybody, and hope you all are doing well. Really appreciate you tuning in to the podcast and just wanted to uh, remind everybody to spread it around, rate, like, subscribe, all that good stuff as it really helps out the show. Let's go ahead and get into it. And here we go. Back in everybody to episode number six of Bye Week here, uh, and we aren't going to actually have Bye Week picks for this segment this week. Uh, last week we went three for three. If you if you tagged along and bet with me on the the parlays, uh, we're going to take a week off just so that the karma doesn't swing the other way and come to get us. Uh, I'll give you some next time, maybe even a few Thanksgiving specials if I can get this recorded ahead of uh, Thanksgiving next week. But let's go ahead and jump right into our first segment this week, and that's Houston. We have a problem. All right, let's go ahead and get into our problem children for this week. Uh, first, let me say and tease what's coming a little bit later in the podcast that we do have two guys from uh, that would have been Houston. We have a problem candidates, but we're going to save them for uh, the review on a special hold this week. Uh, so my first guy is going to be a repeat candidate. Uh, that's going to be Jared Goff. Uh, back-to-back weeks for Goff here on a performance uh, against a strong Chicago defense, as you expect. Uh, he did have a slower game, just 11 completions for 173 yards and an interception. Uh, but that even is letting you down for such uh, low expectations, so he still let you down with only about five points. He continues to struggle behind that uh, offensive line that hasn't really been able to give him much time. Lack of weapons uh, and reliable weapons on the outside have really given him issues not having Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. And the offense has just been kind of an issue all year. It doesn't look like McVay quite has it this year. Now, Gurley certainly plays a part in that. He hasn't really been able to take care of the run game. But this week he did against Chicago, and you still saw golf struggle. Uh, like I said, the running game sparked a little bit, but I think we will have problems with golf going forward. I don't think you can really expect much of him. Uh, maybe a big game here or there if he hits Brandon Cooks, who's coming back off injury on a long touchdown. But you hope at least to see maybe Cooper Cup step back up and return to that top five uh, wide receiver production. But I really don't think golf is going to have many great weeks, and I hope you have options elsewhere if you have him on your team. Moving right along, we've got a guy named Damian Williams up next, who we've had on this segment as well. Uh, Williams left the game early with a, a rib injury uh, after taking a big hit. Uh, and only having received four carries up to that point. So we can't fault him specifically for maybe not performing. But he was certainly a problem for your fantasy team, only leaving you with a whopping 1.8 points. And this is coming off you really just starting to be able to trust him for the first time this year. 
Uh, once again, this will muddy up the Kansas City backfield and puts us right back where we started, not really knowing which guy to play. Uh, you were hoping that Damian Williams would come out of that backfield, be the reliable guy out of such a high-powered offense. Um, at the running back position, he looked good in the passing game. He looked good in the rushing game. And uh, if you had him, you were definitely playing him this past week against uh, a pretty weak um, Monday night matchup uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I think you're going to have a problem with Damian Williams going forward if the injury lingers at all, or uh, he'll likely be splitting workload uh, coming up in future games here. If you're counting on him going into the playoffs, I probably wouldn't if you could. Uh, If you have to, uh, good luck. You got to hope he uh, returns right back into Andy Reid's good graces and gets the majority of the workload because that's really the only way he's going to provide any kind of consistent performance going forward. Uh, Once again, he might have a big game here and there with Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, under center, but I don't think you're going to be able to rely on Damian Williams like you wanted to when you drafted him, and I think he's going to hurt you and be more of a problem going forward. Our next guy is going to be Tyler Boyd, and he is one of my main problem children uh, for whatever we've done this week, last week, whatever. Lately with Ryan Finley, who I expect to see the rest of the year, I don't think we're going to see a return of Andy Dalton at any point. And Ryan Finley has just been abysmal. He also has a lack of attention for Tyler Boyd in the offense, as well as his just abysmal quarterback play to begin with. Um, He's really not targeting Boyd at all. He seems to be kind of a a back burner on the offense. Uh, As a guy you drafted to be a wide receiver two slash three, Uh, And he's supposedly the number one on the team. Unless A.J. Green can get back, you expect him to at least get the volume on the team. Uh, But he's not really even seeing that as of late. Uh, He had just one carry for 10 yards and one reception for zero yards on three targets. So a potential four touches uh, in last week's game. This offense is not good to begin with. It's a bad team. They haven't won a game yet, as you know. Uh, so it's certainly not a great circumstance, and he's certainly not reliable like you would like him to be as he was last year. I expect Tyler Boyd not to be nothing more than a low-end flex if you really need it the rest of the way. So if you have him, look elsewhere. If you don't have him, congratulations. You're doing very well. And usually we just stick to three guys here, but I wanted to give a quick special mention to our guy, David Johnson, as he was taken off the injury report this week and was active for the game but didn't receive any touches or targets. You most likely started him if you had him, uh, unless you were wise enough to just uh, put him on your bench, stick him out, maybe even drop him. Uh, DJ continues to just warrant concern uh, as far as fantasy football and regular football. He doesn't look good. He looks like he's still banged up, but he's been removed off the injury report and been active. Um, you, you would expect him to even get carries. He was in the game a couple of times and saw snaps, but did not get any work. I don't think you can rely on DJ at any point going forward until he shows it to you. Uh, it's going to have to be a wait and see kind of thing, but, uh, at this point, just keep him on the end of your bench and hope that maybe he gets back if you make the playoffs, but you probably aren't making the playoffs because DJ was probably your number one draft pick. So at this point, if he's letting you down this much, unless you hit a couple of late round guys, you're probably not looking great. All right. And with that, let's go ahead and move over to fooled you. And we'll get into some of the guys who just gave you the old bamboozle this week. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. <laughs> if fool me, we can't get fooled again. 
So into the Fuji section, you really could put D uh, David Johnson here as well, uh, as in the Houston We Have a Problem segment. But we won't keep beating a dead horse, as he is likely not worth the mention anymore. Uh, so the first one I'll give you is Deshaun Watson. In a huge over-under matchup versus Baltimore, I think we all expected lots of fantasy points to be scored on both sides of the ball. But there really were none that went the Texans' way. Deshaun uh, only finished the game with 18 completions for 169 yards and an interception, as well as a fumble and 12 yards on the ground. Uh, so a hyper-disappointing game from him. I think it speaks to the evolution of the Baltimore defense. Uh, they're certainly a scary team going forward late in the stretch. Uh, this certainly isn't uh, a typical game for Watson. Uh, like you, like we would, that's why we have him on the fooled you section here. Um, he certainly fooled you in this week in particular, where you had expected him to have a lot more offense going, hit the hit the deep targets, maybe a little bit more, and sc definitely score at least one, if not more, touchdowns. Uh, but Watson will bounce back. He always does, and most certainly he was a fooled you this week, and hopefully won't be going forward. Uh, you expect more consistent performances out of him coming up into the playoffs and further. My next two are going to seem a little odd. Uh, they don't necessarily fit the typical model, but uh, the next one's going to be Brian Hill, the Atlanta Falcons running back. Uh, looking back to prior to the game starting, you had a general consensus that uh, Brian Hill would receive the bulk of the Atlanta work, uh, both carries and receiving downs. Um, in Against a soft Carolina defense at this point that's struggled all year, especially against uh, running backs that have caught the ball out of the backfield, um, you would have expected a higher higher point toter and a good high volume for Hill. Now, the volume he did receive, 15 carries, three targets, so certainly good volume, uh, as you might expect, but where, you, where he fooled you was on what he did with them. Uh, only 30 yards and one catch for the eight yards, uh, letting you down big time with just the 38 combined yards and the half point for a half point PPR with one catch. Um, a big letdown as far as the level of volume he received uh, versus what he actually gave you with it in a perceived positive matchup. Uh, he was pulled on a goal line carry that Quadre Olsen just walked into the end zone with, so uh, he didn't have a touchdown to save you like he maybe should have. Uh, until we know about more about Freeman's return, I would expect Hill to continue to get a good volume, get the good workload. But keep in mind that he does have this floor, and in upcoming weeks, he does have poor matchup uh, versus Tampa Bay, especially this, I mean, this upcoming week. Um, so I would look for him to have another slow game this week, and I think the general consensus was just that he fooled you this week uh, and maybe to lower your expectations going forward for him if you have him on your team. Again, uh, my last one will be kind of weird, and that's going to be Zach Paschal, the receiver for the Colts, who was another big fool guy this past week. Uh, in previous games, we've seen him have the big game, especially in games when T.Y. Hilton was not playing, which was like this past week. Um, and in a game where the Colts put up 33 points versus a, a somewhat weak Jacksonville defense at this point, you would think that the quote-unquote wide receiver one for the Colts would have had a big game. Uh, with Hilton being out, that's certainly Zach Pascal, or maybe is it? Uh, it's, I think it's definitely the tight ends at this point. But Zach Pascal had proven previously that he could give you the big game. So if you had him in your lineup, you might have been expecting a little bit more. Uh, in most leagues, you wouldn't have had to play a guy like this. But in a deeper league like the one we are in in the Dynasty, you do have to maybe play him, especially when you have the kind of positive outlook for him going into that week. Um 
So uh, that'll wrap up Fooled You for this week. Let's look uh, over at some maybe guys that might either fool you, but definitely will bust next week based on my predictions here. So last week on our busts, I gave you Allen Robinson, Miles Sanders, and Devontae Parker. And I was right on both uh, Allen Robinson and Miles Sanders. Both gave you poor performances. Uh, while I was very wrong on Devontae Parker, who had seven receptions on 10 targets and 135 yards against a good Bills defense, uh, I certainly won't be picking Devontae again. I think we he's proven himself to, to have the volume, and even if it's a lackluster offense, he's got it going uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're peppering him with targets, uh, 10 on this past week, so double digits. Um, he's going to have catches. He'll probably have yards, and every once in a while in a week, he'll sneak in a touchdown. Um uh, I think he has really returned into a reliable asset week to week, and uh, he'll continue to see that great volume. And I think Miami's uh, run stretch run down here, the defenses will get a little bit easier. The Bills are certainly uh, one of the better defenses, even if the offense is not quite as up to par. Uh, but let's give you this week's picks. My first one is going to be Marvin Jones. Coming off three straight weeks of 10 or more fantasy points, he has been really good for you if you've been playing him. Uh, I have in one of my other leagues, just out of necessity. I've had a couple receivers who are hurt, uh, so it's been it's been good for me. But however, Jeff Driscoll still is the quarterback. Um, that's not really what you want to see. It seems like Matthew Stafford is going to be out at least for a little bit longer. They're, they keep saying more of like a week-to-week thing, but with a fractured back, you'd have to assume they're not making the playoffs. They should just shut him down, play for next year with him there. Um, and that so take into account the Jeff Driscoll being your quarterback along with Washington's defense really hasn't been great, but they haven't really been bad either. They've been pretty solid. Uh, you're not going to get a ton of ton of points on them. They slow the game down, try to take it just plodding on the offensive end, take the air out of the ball. So they haven't been completely incompetent this season. Uh, I would expect things once again to swing back more toward Kenny Galladay. He didn't see a lot this past week. And so when you see that, that should mean maybe Marvin Jones comes back down a little bit. So we'll uh, predict a Marvin Jones uh, single-digit fantasy point out week this week. Uh, So if you have a better option, certainly play him. You probably won't in a league like this. But if you do, uh, get him in there as Marvin will probably have a slower week, I think, this week. Uh, my next one is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's going up against a, a very gr- good San Francisco defense, good if not great. Um, for Rodgers, they have uh, a legit defensive uh, line. I would say it's elite. Uh, they're going to be able to pressure him with just the four. You're not going to have to have to look to a lot of blitzes. They don't do that very often. So being able to get pressure with just the four is going to likely leave coverage uh a little bit more heavy downfield, and they're going to be able to play guys like Aaron Jones out of the backfield with just their linebackers, um, which maybe not the best matchup you would say for their linebackers, but their linebackers are very, very good, and they'll be able to contain Jones uh, to just the short stuff. I don't think they'll give up a lot of long uh, breakaway dump-offs to him where he just kind of takes it to the house, as we've seen a few times this year. Uh, if you haven't watched uh, much Green Bay this year, they've been exceptional um, when Aaron Jones takes over in both the running and the passing games. Otherwise, the offense has been kind of disappointing. Uh, not a lot of options on the outside. Good options, I should say. You have Devontae Adams and really not a lot else there. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, really hasn't been great at all this year. Jimmy Graham in, on the interior hasn't really been great this year. A couple of big targets with those two, but they're not going to give Aaron Rodgers anything special, I don't think. 
So I would expect San Francisco to utilize the pass rush and just take the take Aaron Jones out of the passing game, and all that will lead to Aaron Rodgers just being hurried and not having the time to to throw the ball downfield to his favorite target, Devontae Adams. And I think this will just end up being a slow game for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the best case scenario would be that they get in a shootout and he just kind of has to sling the ball all around and you might get 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. That would be a fantastic game for him, I think. Um, but otherwise, I would look uh, elsewhere besides Rodgers as I don't think that upside is there this week against that San Francisco front. Um, so if you have a better option, I would use that. My next and last pick for this week's segment is going to be Ronald Jones. Uh, ahead of last week, he had been having a couple back-to-back good games. Uh, and Bruce Arians had stated that uh, RJ was going to be his guy going forward and would get an uptick in the workload. However, the opposite has actually been true. You've actually seen his usage decrease over the last two weeks, and uh, I think his role is going to continue to diminish, not because of anything he is doing or not doing. I just think that uh, Tampa Bay just does not have a willingness to run the ball, and they don't generally utilize that running back out of the backfield in the passing game much either. Uh, against uh, this newly risen, out-of-the-nowhere Atlanta defense that has popped up this week, I think the Bucks will struggle to run the ball, and this will lead to Rojo once again having a poor fantasy day on the ground. Uh, if the Bucks get down early, like I kind of think they will, uh, you can expect them to ditch the run game pretty soon uh, within the game. And I say that he's not going to get a lot of passing down work either. Generally, Jameis tends to to lean on those tight ends and the uh, two big receivers in Godwin and Evans there. So I would look for Rojo to have a, a little bit sh- smaller of a game, not very much going on in the rushing or the passing downs game. I would say less than 10 points for sure. Probably hang around the five-point uh, mark if you have another option. Once again, that's who I'd be starting this week. So those are my three busts of this week, and we'll go ahead and get into the review of last week's Dynasty games. It was a pretty interesting week, so uh, get your ears ready. So to jump right into this week's matchup, wait, hold on, something's not right. Wait a minute, let me get some music on. All right, that's better. So let me set the scene. We will go get two matchups out of the way with once here. Thad and myself came into the week battling for the last playoff spot only divided by points. Uh, Same record. Confidence was flying high on my side, as I'm sure it was on his, and everybody else in the league knows that it was a very favorable matchup for both of us this week. Uh, If you remember two weeks ago, Thad dodged a bullet by playing Carson, who was the only team in the week he would have beaten. Uh, Come to this week, he's playing Coley, and I'm facing my brother. Two of the worst teams in the league... Coley performed right as expected, losing to Thad 104-66, with Miles Boykin scoring just zero points, Juju Smith-Schuster scoring three, Keyshawn Johnson scoring negative .6. Thad's team was led once again by Lamar Jackson, who had 32 points, John Brown, who had 30 points, and, uh, well, everyone else pretty much was lackluster, other than Cortland Sutton, who gave you about what you would want. But uh, other than that, pretty bad game for both sides. Uh, Just happened to swing uh, Thad's way there. Now let's flip over to the other side of the coin. Uh, PJ, my little brother, wanted nothing more than to knock me out of the playoffs and proceed then to tank afterwards. And he succeeded in this. On the way, on the back of Josh Allen and Mark Ingram, he put forth a victory of 107 to 98. 
Now let's look at previously mentioned uh, special holdback section for Houston We Had a Problem, and you will see a great reason why the segment was named uh, as such, Houston We Have a Problem. I got a fantastic game from DJ Chark, Dak Prescott, who looked to be setting me up for success. And then come the late afternoon, we got hit with the Robert Woods news that he would not be playing in the Sunday night game due to personal reasons. Looking up and down my lineup, there was no other options for me to substitute in as everybody had either started or uh, were on by, etc. Didn't have anybody else playing in the remaining uh, two games, the Sunday night or the Monday night game, uh, other than players I already had in the lineup. Uh, So my only option to get points out of that position was to make a waiver claim for Andre Patton, the only available active receiver for Monday night's game for the Chargers. Uh, And this was the only hope I had for that point total uh, from that wide receiver position that we had Robert Woods in. Uh, Going into the Monday night game, the score was a crisp 93.2 for Justin to 88.36 for me. I had Melvin Gordon, Tyree Kill, and Andre Patton, while Justin was holding on to Hunter Henry and Miko Hardman uh, to pull out his victory. Uh, first quarter comes around, and wouldn't you know it, Tyree Kill goes down. Andre Patton finishes with no points, missing his only target on the game, and Hunter Henry did just enough to, with the 6.69 yards and two-point conversion that he received uh, just to make my world go dark. After a full week of tilting, you can tell I'm clearly past it and not upset at all still. Uh, but we'll move on and go to the next pat matchup. I did pick myself and Thad on those two, so I'll split the difference there and go one and one. Uh, and on to the next matchup here. We have Blake, who took down Mark, 120 to 110. Uh, Mark got a solid performance from Sam Darnold, uh, Alvin Kamara, Keenan Allen, and Devontae Parker. But in the end, it was not quite enough to overcome a near or double-digit performance from just about Blake's whole team. Uh, His big performers were, as always, Christian McCaffrey, who did not score a touchdown but rode on 11 uh, reception, 121-yard receiving performance to 24 fantasy points. Uh, Travis Kelsey also had a top-tier game and came through as a tight end one you drafted in Uh This sets Blake up squarely in the playoffs, even if it doesn't quite lock him in technically. Uh, I will go ahead and call it a lock. So, Blake, good job. Way to make the playoffs. I picked Blake to win, so there was another uh, one to add to my total for the picks. Moving right along to the next game, uh, we had Connor versus Carson, and this one might not even really be worth mentioning. Uh, Connor, of course, took the win 125-53. to Carson continues to struggle with his mediocre lineup and with Saquon and other notables on by. Never really stood a chance on Connor's end. Much like Blake, he got good performances from just about everyone, with Michael Gallup and Austin Eckler being the kind of outliers with the two prime performances. Uh, Connor has certainly locked himself into a playoff spot at this point, I think, uh, and is fighting for the top seed the rest of the way as he's currently the number two. To me, Connor feels like a very sneaky team going down the stretch here. Uh, he doesn't quite have the the targets that kind of pop off the page like a Christian McCaffrey or a Michael Thomas, but his lineup is very solid all the way across uh, what he can play and most definitely can put up points. Uh, I would say Connor might be the dark horse than being slept on, on the, in the league here, even though he is in second right now. I just don't think he's really gotten the attention. Nobody really talks about his team for some reason, uh, even though he continues to win games. So, Connor, I'm here to talk about your team, man. Uh, it looks good. I think you 
uh, have a really good solid lineup uh, all the way across, and I like your chances. I picked Connor to win this game, and I think I'm going to continue to pick him going forward here, uh, matchup by matchup. We'll see how it goes, but we'll pick Connor there and pick up another win for me. Uh, going down to the next game, we had a squeak out win for the current number one team, Seth, who edges out Brian 86 to 82. Brian, although technically not mathematically eliminated uh, after this game, uh, is not really in contention for a playoff spot after this week. Under He underperformed late uh, in the year lots due to the confusion and injury surrounding David Johnson. Joe Mixon has come on a little too late for him, and DJ Moore, while he has been consistent, isn't the type of receiver to give you a huge week to compensate for the lack of the talent the rest of the way around the roster. Uh, strong games from Le'Veon and Mixon made the matchup somewhat close for Seth, but he prevailed uh, behind Michael Thomas and Calvin Ridley's big weeks. Though much of Seth's team has performed or did perform under this week, uh, and his team is trending in the wrong direction, it looks like, as we go late into this season, with Austin Hooper out, Cooper Cup not really performing with that struggling Rams offense. And Kareem Hunt eating into Nick Chubb's workload, I would say Seth has a little bit more to be nervous about going into the playoff time. Uh, certainly something to keep an eye on, but I did pick Seth to move uh, to 4-1 and one on the week for my picks. And our last matchup will be Lathan versus Ethan. Lathan, whose team started out this season just looking dynamic. It looked like he was certainly going to be a favorite going into the year but now is on the outside looking in and hoping things fall his way just enough to sneak into the playoffs and wreak some havoc. He did take down the commission this week, 111-81, to 81, uh, on the back of Gurley, Hopkins, Mark Andrew, and Chris Godwin all having above-average games. He, Ethan couldn't come overcome Deshaun Watson's letdown and mediocre performances from Tevin Coleman, Sony Michelle, and uh, Curtis Samuel. So uh, a waste of a good Stefan Diggs week as he falters here, but still leads the division by two games, and he should find his way into the playoffs, much like a Dallas or a Philadelphia will in the NFL, uh, just by sheer way of having to make uh, having to have someone make a playoff from that division. Uh, I did choose Lathan to win, so five and one on the week is certainly good for my picking. Uh, though I would trade it all just to have myself had been the one winner. Uh, as it stands, I did pick myself to win and was the one loser just to rub some salt in the wounds. Uh, but that does take me to 20 and 10 on the year for picks. Uh, so let's go ahead and make some more and move over to the previews for this upcoming week. And uh, it is an important week as we go into the playoff season here, last two weeks ahead of the playoffs. So it is division week as we get set to move into the last two weeks before playoffs. Uh, this will certainly determine some of the playoff spot, uh, more so in my division than the other divisions, but uh, they could have a few sneak in. We'll see. Um, up first, we do have myself versus Mark in a showdown that will definitely have impli playoff implications as me, him, and Thad are now in the battle for the last spots there. Uh, Mark currently sits on a six and five record in the playoffs, uh, while I currently sit at five and six on the outside looking in and that last spot, uh, I'm hungrily looking at, but we'll see. I have the point edge on Mark currently. So if we end up with the same record, I would slide in above him. Uh, however, this week looks pretty grim for me with both Melvin Gordon and Tyreek Hill on buys and Dak playing against the Patriots. Pretty tough matchups up and down my roster for those that are playing provides a bleak outlook. 
whereas Mark, on the other hand, has Kamara playing in a very positive matchup at home versus Carolina and fairly good matchups for the rest of his team, with the exception of maybe Golden Tate against Chicago. Um, Clearly, I would want my team to win, but Smart Money says uh, this is not going to be my week, uh, and this could end my playoff hopes here. So, um, unfortunately, I will have to pick Mark and hopefully can stumble into a playoff game, uh, play-in game next week versus Thad. Um, See if Connor can give me a a loss on the uh, loss column for Thad, and we'll see. Uh, moving right on to that matchup, the other division matchup, uh, my division mates Thad and Connor. Uh, Thad is looking for that last playoff spot as well at 6-5, and five, but he noticeably leads in the point total over myself and Mark. Uh, so he has the head- edge on us if it comes down to some kind of tie. Uh, a fairly even-looking matchup here, but it leans toward Connor, uh, who, like I said, previously I like his team. Uh, I look for big games from a guy like Derrick Henry and Jameson Crowder with slower games from Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, the the Dallas Cowboys receivers versus New England. Um, Thad will be relying on a, on Lamar Jackson as he has been the last few weeks to pull him through again. Uh, I do not uh, think he can trust more than a few of his guys in his lineup. I would look for a bounce back for maybe Allen Robinson against a weak Giants team at home. But guys like Fournette and uh, Latavius Murray will certainly need to have a good game for him to pick up the win, I think. Uh, but I would look for both to struggle uh, due to defense and volume, respectively. Uh, I will pick Connor in this matchup, both uh, in the hopes that he wins for my own sake and uh, just because I think his team looks a little bit better and certainly is a little bit deeper than Thad's. Um, so let's quickly touch on Coley versus Carson. We won't say too much. It looks like they're both trying to out-tank each other by substituting players who aren't even going to play. Current projections have them at 15-29 to 29 in the points totals uh, with guys like Des Bryant in lineups. Uh, so normally I would hate this kind of blatant disrespect for the league and not playing even full rosters, but it seems harmless enough as neither of them are affecting anyone else's playoff chances and they both are trying to lose, so I'll pick Coley on a coin flip. He has been slightly better this year, I think, especially as of late. Uh, so with both of them just looking to score as little as possible, we'll flip a coin and pick Coley. Uh, their other division mates, a uh, somewhat more important game, Ethan versus Brian. Uh, noteworthy because Brian technically can slide into first in the division with two wins and two Ethan losses uh, if he can somehow make up a 70-point deficit there. Um, for Ethan, Zeke has a very tough matchup, uh, as we've discussed once again, the Cowboys going up against uh, New England. Um, but the rest of his team is fairly favorable, with Stefan Diggs being the only notable buy and Kittle set to come back off of uh, the injury this week. Um, on Brian's side, he will need big games from Le'Veon Bell and Kenny Galladay and maybe a surprise game from Robbie Anderson to even have a good shot at making up the point differential, much less winning. Uh, I'll pick Ethan to win. It seems kind of cut and dry, but we'll see if Brian can get the upset here and save his hopes. Uh, But I think it'll end Brian's playoff hopes this week, and he can go ahead and start playing for next year like uh, a bunch of the other teams in the league. On over to the next division and the last division here, we have Seth versus Lathan in a grudge match. Uh, Seth does get Aaron Jones back off a bye, but he will walk into a tough matchup versus San Francisco, as we've talked about as well. Uh, Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, and Nick Chubb play against winnable matchups, and he would hope to have Cooper Cup bounce back uh, to what he was doing earlier this season. Meanwhile, Lathan got a big week uh, or 
big performance from DeAndre Hopkins on the Thursday night game. I don't know if it will be enough, but he will need uh, Chris Godwin and Odell Beckham, who he recently traded for, to perform uh, to the level they are capable of in order to keep pace with Seth, even after Hopkins' game. Uh, Lathan has started to prepare for the upcoming season, making trades for guys like Beckham. Uh, So while he can make the playoffs still, I don't expect him to. I expect him to lose this matchup and miss out on this year. Uh, I will pick Seth in this one. And uh, Lathan, good luck next year, buddy. But not really. Um, on to the last matchup here for the week. We have uh, Peach Meister versus Blake in a game that could have playoff implications, but likely won't. Uh, Justin picked up and got a big game from Jonathan Williams on Thursday night, and we'll need big performances from other guys like Mark Ingram, Debo Samuel, and Marquise Brown to be in it. Those guys have proven that they can give big performances, but I certainly wouldn't expect it this week. For Blake, uh, we have uh, a slow week from Carlos Hyde on the Thursday night game and noticeable buys with Dalvin Cook and Travis Kelsey not being able to be in the lineup this week. A couple of question marks surrounding Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Cooks coming off the injuries and into poor performing offenses. This might lend Justin a chance, but I think uh, CMC and Julio Jones will prove too much for him. Uh, So I think Blake will go ahead and pick up the win this week in that game and uh, more so lock up the playoff spot than he already did last week. Uh, And so that should close that division down. And then we'll really only have my division left uh, as Brian can't win. And that'll be the playoff picture between those last three teams. Um, So we'll see and we'll let you know how that all uh, plays out next week. Uh, That'll wrap up this week's episode. Tune in, like I said, next week to hear how everything went. I'm sure it'll be a weekend full of drama. And wish me luck as I want to push this playoff just to see if I have a chance. But thanks, everybody, and y'all have a good week. 